Welcome to Maverick Messages. My name is Andrew Wilbar. I am a junior at Providence Baptist College, and today we are going to be listening to yet another one of our most recent chapel sermons. So sit back, listen in, and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Ecclesiastes in your Bibles, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Good to hear the enthusiasm. Y'all are still riding the coattails of the fall program and so much going on. Praise the Lord for his goodness and all the work that's going on in ministry around here. It's exciting to be a part of, exciting to watch, exciting to see what God's doing in your lives as college students. But January's coming. We'll see if your enthusiasm wanes a little bit or if you can hang in there and and just uh, some of you are from the south I know and you're in for you're in for a real treat <laughs> we usually get a, oh, about a quarter inch of snow over the course of the winter and maybe half an inch and uh, you'll have to adjust a little bit but you'll you'll get used to it Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse number 13 the Bible says let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret, secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, bless the message. Help it to be helpful to the young people gathered here today. Pray that you'd help us to focus our hearts and our minds upon you and what you want to teach us in this next little while. We pray in your name. Amen. I was thinking about motives uh, this last week. Motives, why do we do what we do? And uh, I, I, I've come to the conclusion there's really about three reasons why we do anything we're doing, why we serve the Lord, why we got saved, why we try to please our parents, uh, why we in vain try to uh, please our teachers around here. Uh, but there's three reasons why we do what we do. It's fear and reward and love. Uh, the fear of God, uh, the rewards from God, and uh, the, uh, the love that we have for the Lord. And, and the Bible talks about our motives. If you want to uh, flip your Bible over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it, it talks about our motives. Verses 13 to 15, it says we'll be judged for those motives. 1 Corinthians 3, 13, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And I, I think what's going to be tried there, not just what we did, but why we did it. Our motives for why we did Why did you go soul winning last week? Well, I had to. It's a school rule, you know. Uh, well, I guess we'll find out, you know, when it's Christmas time and you're between semesters. You know, we'll find out if you're a soul winner or not. Because then your motives will come out when it's not a rule, right? And uh, it says, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And uh, rewards, those are mentioned in the Bible as being a motive. Love is mentioned as being a motive. A fear is mentioned as being a motive. We're going to look at these three motives, why we do what we do. And the first one is love. I want you to think about that a little bit. If you want to flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 14. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. So what is the motive for serving uh, God or for being obedient to the Lord? It says, For the love of Christ constrains us. The Apostle Paul uh, 
that was him talking, right? Corinthians, he said, the love of Christ constrains us. What does that mean? Uh, Paul said, well, I've been shipwrecked. He says, but the love of Jesus just drags me along and I can't stop, I have to keep going. The love of Christ constrains us, it motivates us, it moves us, where we go out door knocking because we love Jesus, not just because it's a school rule. Where we're obedient to the Lord in areas of, of dress and in conduct and in our, our manners, and we're obedient to the Lord, not just because it's expected of a Providence Baptist College student, not just because our parents raised us that way, but because we love the Lord. I mean, we're your co-workers. Maybe uh, they uh, are asking you, uh, well, Madison, what is Madison, right? Uh, she gave my wife and I a free milkshake at Portillo's last night. My wife says, oh, wow, is she trying to get in good with the teacher? I said, she's not even in any of my classes. And uh, so we enjoyed a, a, a strawberry milkshake last night. And uh, she gets no reward for that. I guess she does now, public recognition in chapel. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But your coworkers, your coworkers, they might say, well, Madison, why are you wearing a dress? All the ladies there are wearing, uh, not skirts, but they're wearing slacks. Why are you wearing a dress? You've probably been asked that at work before. That's people in the world, they, you know, they want to know what's going on. Well, this is the way my parents raised me. Well, it's expected of me because I'm a college student at a Bible college. Well, I have to. You know, or hopefully, well, the love of Christ constrains me. I want to please the Lord, and I want to please Him in my, my dress. I want to please Him in everything I do and say, and even my attitude this morning in chapel. I want to please Him. I want to please Him. The love of Christ constrains me. I think that's what kept Paul going through all the shipwrecks and, and getting beaten and uh, ended up in prison and getting stoned and not, not your kind of stoned, Anthony, but the, uh, he, he, was having, he was having a rough time. All right, I'll pick on Blake. Not your kind of stone, Blake. Anthony looked incredulous. You, I mean, you show up in chapel, you know I'm going to pick on you today. And uh, the love of Christ constrains us. It just drags us along. It motivates us. It moves us. And it should. I think that's the highest motive. And uh, the love of Christ ought to motivate us. Our, our kids, you know, when they were little, we, if they didn't do what they were supposed to do, we, we'd spank them. And they had the, the fear of dad in there, you know. Uh, but sometimes there was a reward involved. And, and other, times, <clears throat> other times, they just did stuff just to please their parents. And boy, we liked it when they got to that point. You know, over Thanksgiving, uh, the, the boys are going to be working, putting in a new bathroom for my wife upstairs. And you know, new tile, new shower, new vanity, new sink. And you know, we're out at Lowe's last night picking out all this new stuff, you know, because the kids all chipped in. And uh, they're getting us a, a bathroom remodel, you know. And uh, boy, we're excited about it. My wife's all excited about it. And you know what, there's, there's no rule that says they have to do that. There, there's really no reward for doing that. It's gonna cost them. They're not gonna get paid for it. It's gonna cost them. And uh, they're doing it, you know why? Because they love mom and dad. Well, boy, when you, you get to the point where your kids are doing stuff just because they love you and they appreciate you and wanna do things for you, boy, you got something going on there. And boy, when you can get your, your, your children, when they're little, you know, not so much, but when they get bigger, when you can get them to the point where the greatest fear they have in life is that they'll disappoint mom and dad, then you got them right where you need them. Yeah. And I, I hope you, you feel that way about your parents. 
that one of the greatest fears you have in your life would be that you would disappoint mom and dad. That'll help motivate you. That'll help keep you going, the love of mom and dad, the love of your God, the, the love of your pastor. And, and, and the, the love of Christ ought to be a good motivation, motivation for us. It was a pastor's uh, birthday, I think, what, the 27th? And uh, some of us got him a card. Now, we were gone that weekend, and uh, we didn't think to get him a card. But when we got back, we made it a priority. That same day we got back from Terre Haute, we went to the store and got him a card and make sure he got that card as quickly after his birthday as we could. And I don't know if you got him a card. It's a problem with a bigger ministry. Uh, we, we all feel like, well, I'm sure he bought her a card. I'm sure she bought him a card. It, you know, uh, that's how we feel. Uh, we, we don't honor the pastor maybe the way we should sometimes. I'll bet Pastor Kevin got 200 cards for his birthday, right, Paige, uh, back home? And then uh, we come here, and Pastor Kevin uh, maybe didn't even get that many. Why? Because we feel like, I'm sure you bought one, right? And then none of us buy him a card. We need to make sure we do that. And, you know, that's just a simple way to show our appreciation and love. And we ought to be motivated by love. Is there a rule that says you have to get the pastor a card? Brother Hall's back there writing something down. I guess there will be next year. And uh, <laughs> there's no rule, and there's no reward. You, you get him a birthday card, there's no reward. But if you do get Pastor Kevin a birthday card, what, what's involved in that? Well, it's just expressing your, your love and your appreciation. And that's a good thing. Like in the Bible, when those soldiers, they went out and they got a cup of water for, uh, who was that guy? King David, yeah, they got him a cup of water, didn't they? And they brought it, I mean, from behind enemy lines. And they risked their lives to go get him that cup of water. And they brought it to him. And they're all excited. They brought him in. What did he do with it? And they all went, oh. <laughs> he poured it out. But he was just so, he was just overwhelmed by their, uh, not just their generosity, but their, their act of uh, gratitude and act of sacrifice, you know, that they were willing to risk their lives like that. I, that. David was overwhelmed by that, wasn't he? And I wonder if God feels that way about you sometimes, where he's just kind of overwhelmed. Wow, look what, look what that college student's doing for me. I wonder if God feels that way sometimes. I wonder if your parents feel that way sometimes. What a great motive, the motive of love. When's the last time that you did something for someone and your motive was only love? When's the last time? Can you think of it? the last time you did something for someone and your motive was love and that was it? No reward, no fear, no, no punishment involved, no rule, but your motive was love. I hope you can think of the last time. I hope it wasn't too far in the past. I got a nice little note from a, a, a gal at church. She was a part of our RU program. And she said, I wanted to take the time to say a big thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve during the RU anniversary party. Decorating has never been a strong suit for me, but with much prayer and counsel, God used the last few weeks to guide me, strengthen my faith in his provision and desire to help me grow. I'm so glad I could be a help and take something off your plate. Thank you for serving and allowing me to give back to you in the ministry. Isn't that a blessing? One of the ladies who RU was a blessing to her, and now she was uh, in charge of the decorations for the other night. And I know many of you were here and helped with that as well. Hey, Brother Hall, you'd be amazed how many students had a part in that thing. I was floored. I was overwhelmed. We came in. It's time to eat. And I walk in. I'd been out in the lobby greeting people coming in. And when I walked in here, 
I saw the serving line set up back there. We had 162 people here. And I, the serving lines, there was about 20 ladies there at those tables. And a lot of them were college students. Just, I don't know if they got recruited or they just jumped in. You know, they weren't on the planning thing, I know, when, when we were working on it, and so many of them were helping with that. So many of them stuck around to help clean up afterward, and a whole bunch of them were in the corral helping with the kids and uh, preaching and watching the kids and, and just doing so many different things. Friday night, and, uh, Brother brother Oswarty was set up in the cleanup and the, and the uh, PA system and everything. All of you that had a part of Friday night at that 20th anniversary for our RU program, would, would you put your paw up in the air real quick? Let, let me see, you helped with, oh no, put it up real high. Put it up real high, okay? All right, there's at least a dozen and uh, maybe 15 in, in here. And, you know, thank the Lord. There's no rule that said you had to help the other night. And, and given of your time like that, a Friday night, some of you come every week and you give of your time. I, I think maybe you love the Lord. And that's what it looks like to me. I'm, I'll bet it's what it looks like to him, too. What a great motive, the motive of love. And, and praise the Lord for that. But there's another reward. Reward's a good motive. It's a biblical motive. Is it as high a motive as love? No. But it is a motive. And it's a biblical motive. You see reward all through the Bible. You see that principle taught there. As a matter of fact, we're in 2 Corinthians 5. Look back at, at verse number 10. Uh, we just read verse number 14 a little bit ago about uh, the love of Christ constraining us. Look what chapter 5 verse 10 says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So there's another motive. There's another motive right there. A reward. And it is biblical. It's okay. It's maybe not as high a motive. Uh, as, as love, but it's good. The Bible talks about wages. It talks about reward. It talks about the principle of capitalism, that you do something, you get paid for it. The law of sowing and reaping. All through the scriptures, we see that principle played out. And as you know, a, a child, your parents, sometimes they use that as a motivation to get you to do things. I know yesterday when uh, our son Kevin was uh, loading up the car, he's threatening the kids with... Uh, uh, destruction and and uh, fi fire and and uh, all kinds of terrible things are going to happen to these kids if they don't behave in the vehicle. They've got a five-hour drive ahead of them to get to Terre Haute, and uh, they're loading the car up. You know, they were at a wedding Saturday up in Minnesota, and uh, he's he's uh, giving them all kinds of admonition, and uh, one of them even needed a little bit of a spanking. You know, so. It, went into the fear part, okay? Uh, but he said, oh, you be good, and I'll give you a treat. And sure enough, my wife said, when they, they got to where they were going, uh, he rewarded them with ice cream. Ice cream, what a great reward. And you can get kids to do most anything for an ice cream. I suppose it's probably true of college students, too. But the reward motive is a good one. Remember what the devil accused Job of? The devil said, hey, Job, the only reason you're living for God is because of the benefits, the blessings, the rewards. And I'll bet if God were to take away those blessings, I'll bet you'd, you'd uh, turn your back on God. And Job says, yeah, watch me. <laughs> and uh, God and Job had a little conversation, and the devil uh, took away all of the blessings and benefits and his health and his kids and all these. And what happened? Job passed the test, didn't he? 
And uh, he wasn't in it just for the reward, was he? He was in it for the right reasons. But, but God does like to bless his kids in this life and the next. He gives rewards. Uh, there's five crowns, different crowns that we read about that we'll get to experience up in heaven. Uh, areas to rule over on earth. And uh, did you know that's one of the, the uh, things we'll get to do up in heaven is according to our works here on earth, we'll get an area to rule over in uh, the uh, millennial period. Did you know that? And uh, I've already got Canada staked out. It's probably going to be a very small space, you know, like just big enough for an outhouse and, you, you know, just not that much rule to rule over because it's in proportion to how well you served him here on earth. And there's people going to get bigger rewards than me. But I do hope mine's in the north because the Bible talks about a sea of glass in the Bible. And it talks about the sides of the north. And so I'm thinking there's hockey in heaven is what I'm thinking. And I'm hoping I get to play hockey in heaven. There's no promise to God about baseball, no promise to God about football, but we do read about the frozen sea of glass there in the book of Revelation, talks about it a couple times. So I'm hoping that frozen sea of glass is going to be ice hockey. And uh, you pray for me if I don't get that. That's one of the rewards I'm looking forward to when I get to heaven. I hope I'm not disappointed. But, you know, it's not just in heaven that we're going to have rewards. We get rewards here on earth. Uh, how, what's it worth to you to have peace in your life? What's it worth to you? Anthony could give his testimony. He didn't used to have peace. Until about how, how many years ago now? Five? Seven. Seven years ago. He'll tell you, you know, being in Michigan City, and I think you're on the lake shore, right? Yes, Two o'clock in the morning. Yes, and he put his hands up and surrendered to God. He'd heard the gospel for many years. And Antonio had witnessed to him. He used to work with Antonio. And he came to RU and uh, heard the gospel many times. And then about seven years ago, he finally said, I surrender. It's his phrase, I surrender. And uh, God has given you peace since then. And that man, what, what's that worth, peace? How about your children having peace? Well, that's a blessing. The Bible promises that too. It says, the children of thy servants shall continue. There's a promise that God to claim. God does so many, hey, there's so many things he does for us. He gives us purpose in life. Pastor Kavanaugh has been talking about that a lot, having purpose. And you have purpose in your life. You know, lost people don't have that. You ever watch them go through grief before? You ever watch them at a funeral? They don't know what to do with themselves except get numb. And they use alcohol and drugs to do that, don't they? They don't know what it is to experience the peace of God that passes understanding. There's so many benefits here in this life, having this fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Having rejoicing, the Bible says, bringing our sheaves with us. And uh, you, you get involved in a fall program and a big day and bringing people to church. It, there's nothing like it, man. You see, uh, a convert of yours go forward. Uh, Blake, I don't know how many you've had in the newcomers class, but there's been a boatload of them. And it's fun to watch them grow in the Lord. And uh, praise the Lord. Uh, it's so exciting. What a, what a great thing. God gives us joy. And um, it's fun. It's, it's one of the rewards of living the Christian life. But then there's a third one. This is the one I want to key in on today, the fear. Fear is a, it, it, it's a default motive. It's a default motive. It's your backup. All right? You know what the fear of God is for? That's for when the other two are not kicked in. When you're not feeling the love of God, it's just not going on in your life right now. And uh, maybe the reward just sounds a little too in the distance for you. And uh, the temptation is right there to do something wrong. 
And if the love and the reward aren't doing it for you, you always got your back up. You got the fear of God. And that ought to be motive enough to keep us on the straight and narrow. It ought to be motive enough to keep us in the will of God rather than out of the will of God. The fear of God. It ought to be a motivating thing. It occurs over 300 times in the scripture. You're in 2 Corinthians 5. We read verse 14. We read verse 10. Look at verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Hey, there is a real thing called the terror of the Lord. The fear of God. The wrath of God. And, and we ought to be afraid of seeing God's angry side. It's a principle in the Bible. And uh, we, we ought to... Well, turn, if you would, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Take a look at it. Verse 28 and 29. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. Verse 29 looks like a good verse to memorize for Bible doctrines. Amen. Amen. It's a good principle. It's a powerful verse with a great truth. But the best thing of all, it is... Exactly. Amen. Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with what? Reverence and godly fear. Is it okay to serve God just out of fear? Where you're afraid you're going to make a wrong step? Sure it is. It says to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why? Why? For our God is a consuming fire. And he is a consuming fire. You afraid of God? I am. I, I tell young parents sometimes, oh, how you do? Oh, well, these kids are driving me nuts. Uh, are you afraid your kid is going to grow up and turn into an axe murderer or something like that? And they go, actually, yes. And I always tell them the same thing. Stay scared. Stay scared. It's a good way to live. Stay scared. Why? Because we ought to be motivated to do the right thing all the time. And it's okay to stay scared. Our God is a consuming fire. And, and it's a good way to beat temptation. The fear of God, the fear of God or uh, having... having um, Fear regarding God in our life occurs over 300 times in the Bible. You think maybe he's trying to drive a point home? 300 times it talks about the fear of God. So don't tell me it's just some pie in the sky by and by, you know, cotton candy. God wants us to feel good all the time and be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That prosperity gospel. No, there, it's a scary thing. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And we ought to have fear in our life. I, I didn't count the 300 times, but I did get enough spankings from God in my lifetime to know that these things are real. Right. And Hebrews 12 says that God scourges every son whom he receiveth. Now, if God scourges every son, if you're going to tell me you never get any spankings, what are you telling me about yourself? Check your parentage. Check your parentage. Because God said, Hebrews 12, he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So we're all going to get spankings from time to time. Just expect it. Just expect it. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I kind of made it my goal to get as few spankings as possible. Isn't that a good idea? My wife says she only remembers getting spanked one time growing up. She says, I know I deserved a lot more than that. I said, yeah. Man, 
she was. She was a good kid. Kevin got very few spankings. Joel. <laughs> David, we would just look at David cross-eyed, and he'd start crying. <laughs> and he was still that way even in college, wasn't he? He'd just start crying. But, but Joel, we had to beat him with a telephone pole. <laughs> and he'd still Mr. Stoic, you know. And he wasn't going to cry, you know. It's just the way he was. And uh, we're all different, aren't we? But God, God wants us to have some fear in our lives. It, it, it's such a blessing when, when you have God in your corner. And even, even though you know he's watching you, I, I, he might as well have a drone over your head and just following you around all the time. He might as well. Because the Holy Spirit in you, it's just as real, right? It's just as real. And he's with you all the time. Man, I knocked on a door Saturday. You ever been to Gilbert's gun shop out in Gilbert's? John retired. You know, he's got cancer real bad. And he retired. He closed the shop. I didn't know he retired and closed the shop. I hadn't been there in a year. And I drove by there last week, and I saw it was closed, and I feared the worst because I knew he had cancer. So I went and looked at his... I didn't know his last name, so I'm looking in the obituaries trying to figure out if the guy who owned the gun shop died or not. And uh, he didn't. And uh, I found his address. I, I, it, he gave it to me over a year ago because he had a girl living at the, their house. His son's girlfriend was suicidal. And he knew about our addictions program. And he wanted, I'd witnessed the John several times. I, he wanted us to go try and help her. And I gave the address to Cassie, Cassie Deal. And so she still had the address. I said, Cassie, you still have that address? That girl I had you go see over a year ago? And she says, yeah. And she gave me the address. And that, that girl uh, moved out. She's gone. But uh, I knocked on the door Saturday. And I knocked on the door. And you know where the Holy Spirit's with you? You know the Holy Spirit's doing it. When uh, you knock on the door, and lady answers the door. I didn't know her. I said, hi, is John home? And she's always in the washroom. Can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm Steve. I'm from Northwest Bible Baptist Church. And I, I know John from the gun shop, and I wanted to come by and see how he's doing. And she said, well, he's doing okay. His cancer's in remission. She said, and you're from that church? I said, yes, ma'am. I run the addictions program. She said, we were just talking about your church yesterday. We're trying to find your church, and here you are at my door. She said, she opened the door and said, come on in. Yeah. You know. And then we go and we sit down at the kitchen table, and she says, I got goosebumps. Yeah. And I wanted to say, me too. <laughs> and, and, you know, half hour later, she, Catholic lady, she bowed her head, trusted Jesus. John gave me a testimony. You know where Tyler Creek is, right next door in Judson College? He got saved in 1984. He was uh, kneeling there doing a little Bible study with one of the teachers at Judson, the art teacher, gave him the gospel, clear as day, and he trusted Jesus right there at Tyler Creek, right next door to here, 1984, shortly after that went off in the military, never grew in grace. And he served in the Marines, and then he was in law enforcement, then working for the feds, and uh, then he opened a gun shop. And uh, anyway, quite a testimony. So uh, they're planning to come next week. Uh, but boy, when the Holy Spirit goes with you, isn't that a blessing? Amen. And uh, it's just, it, it's so much fun. I, I asked her this question. 
I said, would you like, I went through the gospel with her. And then I asked her, would you like to be saved? You know what she said? Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? Let's see, heaven or hell? Uh, let me think about this a while. Why do people do that? It's so simple. And hell's a scary place. Would you agree? Why'd you get saved? Well, I wanted to go to heaven. Not me. I wanted to stay out of hell. Well, which is a better motive? The love or the fear or reward or... It's all good. They're all biblical motives is my point. But boy, don't let this fear of God, don't let that be missing in your life. I, I have a neighbor, he's a bartender, and he's Catholic. And a few months ago, we were talking, and he said, you know the problem with this country? He said, there's no fear of God in this country. I said, that's a pretty good observation for a Catholic bartender. And uh, he did come visit one time. I couldn't get him back. As a nation, we feel like we can get away with our sin. But you know what? We feel like we can get away with our sin sometimes, don't we? But God isn't sleeping. He's waiting. He's waiting. What's he waiting for, Brother Swargum? He's waiting for us to repent. And he, in his grace and in his mercy, he gives me and you and this nation space to repent. He gives us time to repent. Isn't that a great God? But if we don't repent, guess what's coming? It's called judgment. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So if you tell lies, you're going to reap lies. People will lie to you, won't they? If you're going to rob God, guess what? You're going to go broke, aren't you? If you're going to commit immoral acts, what's going to happen? You'll reap it. You'll reap it in your children. You'll reap it in your testimony. You'll reap it in your lack of spiritual power. It's a biblical principle. Modern lingo, uh, the law of sowing and reaping. Little black kid in my wife's Sunday school class one time, third grade, he had it down. He said, what goes around, comes around. And he got it right, didn't he? What goes around, comes around. And it's true. And... Um, Nowadays, they, they say, make stupid uh, decisions and win stupid prizes, okay? That's how, how they phrase it, okay? Um, but that's what, that's what happens. We do pay, and we pay double. Jeremiah 17, 18 says there's double destruction. That's in this life and the next. Now, you aren't going to believe the story I'm about to tell you, but I'm telling the truth. Honest I am. I'm on the platform. I wouldn't lie up here. I might lie down there, but I won't lie. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was working security one night, 19 years I did that security. The, the day Rachel was born, I had to go work security to get a little extra income. And uh, 19 years it ended up working. And you remember that security gig we had? Uh, there was hotels, they'd hire us, and what, they paid us pretty good. And uh, we got paid to sit in our vehicle and do our homework. Because you're just watching the entrance to a hotel or you know the door to the Walmart, making sure people aren't. You know, Stephen, the store's closed. You know, the hotel was closed. We're just making sure nobody's going in there, tearing the place up. So we could sit in our vehicle and do everything but sleep, which we did a little of too. But we, uh, we would uh, work this job. And I, one night, I was fishing for my pen or my pencil in my coat pocket. And uh, I'm fishing around, and I, I couldn't find it. And uh, I had a hole in my pocket. And so I, I took the coat off and I turned it inside out and went around through the liner, you know, and 
got whatever, finally found it, and it, it came out, and right at that same spot, there's a piece of paper in there. So there's a piece of paper in, in my pen or pencil, I forget which, down in this coat, and I, I managed to pull it out. It was so weird. I pull it out, and it was a receipt from, get a load of this, some blockbuster video store. And I'd never been to one in my life, so I thought, what's this doing to my security jacket, you know? And so I, I pull it out, and I look at this video, and I don't know the name of that video. I, it's not one of my John Wayne movies, I, you know? And so uh, I, I got thinking, you know what? I just, I lent this jacket to a friend of mine working this job. It wasn't Brother Hall. And uh, we, we had, you know, we had dozens of guys working at this place from here. But only one guy had borrowed my coat. And so uh, I asked him, I said, what, what, what's, what's this? Oh, it's nothing, it's you know, innocent. Well, I got curious, just curious me, you know. And I went, and, uh, went to the Blockbuster video store and looked it up, and it was some lesbian porn thing. Now, put yourself in this guy's shoes when he found out I, I knew about this. Because <laughs> he thought he got away with it that night, right? Because, I mean, who can see you? You're in your vehicle by yourself. You got your, your little device and you can play videos on. And nobody's going to catch you at that, right? He, I mean, he got away with it that night. You know what I found out? I never got away with anything in my life. Because one way or another, I paid for it. One way or another, I paid for it. And uh, you know what? Just like God did that, uh, and by the way, that young man, he got a lot of help after that happened, and, and he's perfectly fine today. He's just doing great today, doing wonderful. And uh, fortunately, uh, he got caught in it while, it was, while he was young, and that's a good thing. And, and because then there's hope for us, right? And we can fix it. We can, life goes on. Man, oh man, you, you ever feel like you got away with something? Oh, the lights were off. Oh, the door was locked. Oh, there was nobody else there. I got away with it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. And just like God used a hole in a pocket to expose it for this young man, don't you think God has a dozen ways of allowing what you did to get exposed someday? Well, sure he does, if he wanted to. You know what's nice in his grace and his mercy? He gives us space to repent. He gives us time to repent. That's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for you to turn it around. He's waiting for me to turn it around. He gives us that grace, doesn't he? Isn't that good that he does that? Man, the grace of God. Because otherwise, if it was all just judgment, we'd all be in trouble, wouldn't we? Man, praise the Lord for that. And, and, and God does that for us. And he's a gracious God. In Psalm 34, 9, it says, Oh, fear the Lord, ye saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. And then look at one more verse, 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 7, verse number 1. Who's got the time? Second Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the what? In the fear of God. Wow, what a good place to be, huh? You take a peek at the angry side of God, and that should scare us back into the will of God. 
Now, let me teach you just real quick one, one, one thing about shepherding, okay? You know anything about sheep? There's a, in New Zealand, sheep outnumber people five to one. Did you know that? Sheep outnumber people five to one. Now, I'm off the platform, so watch out. There's a, <laughs> may not be trustworthy, Brooklyn, okay? Here we go. There's a master shepherd who uh, lives in New Zealand and an uh, expert in shepherding. And I got uh, some advice from him that helps, helps me understand Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There's a security in, in those tools. The shepherd has a rod and a staff. He also has a good set of lungs. He's got a voice. He's got a sling he uses, right, for rocks. So what does the shepherd do? First thing he does is he calls, right? We, we learned that in the book of John. He calls. What happens if we don't listen to his call? Well, the shepherd will take the uh, sling and he'll sling a rock near the sheep to scare them so that they'll get back where they're supposed to be. They still don't listen. He'll take the staff and he'll take that staff like uh, Bentley had the big stick in his hand and he'll guide them. He'll push up against them and try and guide them to be where they're supposed to be. And if they still don't listen, you aren't going to like this. The shepherd will take that little sheep, he'll take his rod, and he'll break their leg. Because when that sh sheep has a broken leg, it's not going to stray from the other sheep. It's going to stay with the flock because it knows it's in danger. A, a wolf, a, some wild beast might take it out if it strays away. So now that sheep with the broken leg is staying right with the group. Isn't it a shame that the sheep didn't listen to the voice or at least get scared enough with that rock nearby to get where it needed to be, right? Or at least when the staff came against, what, why didn't he listen then? Why did he have to wait until his leg was broken by the shepherd? Can you imagine being that shepherd taking a rod and smacking that leg so that it breaks? in order to save the life of the sheep? I wouldn't want to do that, would you? Would you have the stomach to do that? Well, not if you can imagine that. You know how a parent feels when they have to spank their child. And you know how God feels. But he has to spank his children. Why don't we listen to him the first time? Why don't we just stay in the will of God and not have to experience the wrath of God? The Lord is my shepherd. There's real security in following the shepherd. I serve him because I love him. I serve him because I look to him for blessing and reward. And I serve him because I fear him. How about you today? You need to get some things right in your life. Huh? You need someone to get a hole in their pocket. <laughs> do, you, do you need God to expose it? You know, that's a scary thing, isn't it? it but God is a way of doing that. I, I hope he has your attention today. Amen. What a great message we just heard. I hope you were as challenged by that message as I was. We'll see you next time. Please tune in again for another Maverick message.